Greetings. I'm Matt Matthews, one of the pastors here at First Pres in Champaign, and I'm happy to welcome you to our media ministry. Join us in person. We're located at the intersection of Church and State Streets, adjacent to Westside Park in downtown Champaign. Our traditional worship service is at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning, and on most of those Sundays, we offer French translation. Our contemporary services on Sunday begin at 11.15 a.m. When you come to First Pres, what you'll find, what I hope you'll find, is a community of people who support each other and who are passionate about making a difference in our community and beyond. You'll find relevant teaching for children and adults. We have at least a dozen Bible studies in small groups, including pickleball, that's right, pickleball, adult choir, a bell choir for all comers, and other programs and events designed to grow your faith and give you and me opportunities to serve. There's a place for you. I'm glad you tuned in. So this morning we have a lengthy passage from uh, Genesis. Listen for the word of the Lord. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre, and he, as he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day, Abraham looked up and saw three men standing near him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent entrance to meet them and bowed down to the ground. He said, My Lord, if I find favor with you, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. Let me bring a little bread that you may refresh yourselves, and after that you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, Do as you have said. And Abraham hastened into the tent to Sarah and said, Make ready quickly three measures of choice flour, knead it, and make cakes. Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to the servant who hastened to prepare it. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before these strangers as he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, Where is your wife Sarah? And he said, In the tent. Then one said, I will surely return to you in due season, and your wife Sarah shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent entrance behind them. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. It had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I have grown old and my husband is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? At the set time I will return to you in due season, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, Oh, yes, you did laugh. The Lord dealt with Sarah as he said, And the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to his son, whom Sarah bore before him. And Abraham circumcised his son when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Now Sarah said, God has brought laughter to me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. And she said, Who would ever have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? 
yet I have borne him a son in his old age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And this snippet from Hebrews I want to remind you of, based on this passage, uh, hearkening back many generations later. Hebrews chapter 13. Let mutual affection continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing some have entertained angels without knowing it. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, I've been thinking uh, about fathers um, this week. My father and the fathers of my friends, they stand like uh, fully grown sequoias in my memory, strong, tall, providing protective shade. And every one of them is dead now, but still they stand. My dad worked at both the shipyard and NASA before I was born, NACA, back in the olden days. He was a jack of all trades, he said, and a master of none. I thought he was pretty skilled in everything, though he never helped me with my English homework, I noticed. He was good with his hands. He was good with people. He was in sales when I was growing up, and when he'd have customers, he enjoyed chatting them up more than he enjoyed selling them appliances and furniture. He liked knowing where they were from, what they did, what they liked, you know, just like talking with people and getting to know them. When you met my dad, you made a friend. If you needed to help with a leaking pipe or a choking car or tilling your garden, my dad would come over no matter where you lived and help you out. He was a good neighbor. A friend in need is a friend indeed. He lived by that creed. My friend Frank's dad was a gifted surgeon. And on some days when I was sick, on his way home from the hospital, he'd stop by my house to see how I was doing. His visits meant a lot to me. Dr. Henry was there, and after he left, I always felt better. And I was never really sick. He was a good neighbor. He saved my mother's life when she was filling up with coccidiomycosis. They didn't know what it was. They thought it was cancer. They removed portions of her lungs. And she lived. A lot of people in town uh, owed their lives to Dr. Henry. Carrie's father was a man who believed in principles. He read the Constitution just for the fun of it. He went on strike at the shipyard, and after the union resolved the strike, he didn't go back because he thought the deal wasn't good enough for he and his people. He was on strike the day he died, and he was nearly 80 when he died. Brett's father, I've told you about Brett before. Brett's dad drove submarines for the United States Navy. And he and his wife, Virginia, were part of the young adult group that made a difference in our world down at Hampton Baptist Church downtown with my aunts and my uncles and Chester Brown, the pastor there. These men, each of them, were nobodies. They were nobodies to the rest of the world. But to us boys, they were giants on the earth. We loved them, and we appreciated them. We valued them. And it wasn't too long after we left home that we understood that they had been agents of God's grace to us. And we could point out their imperfections. And if we had more time today, I'd be glad to share each of them with you. But that's not the point. They were still agents of God's grace, imperfect clay feet and all. 
In the middle of one afternoon day, Abraham and his wife are just wondering what they're going to have for supper, and three strangers come through their neighborhood. These guys weren't famous, at least not to Abraham and Sarah, and yet Abraham, Abraham puts on a spread, invites them to sit in the shade, gets them some water, gets a fatted calf, some curds and some milk, makes some cakes for these people. Rest yourselves before you go on your way. It's, it's Middle Eastern hospitality at its best, which exists today, I'm told. We know, of course, these three nobodies were were actually somebodies sent by God. They were messengers from God. But Abraham didn't know that when he pulled out the best china and, and, and gave them the cream of his crop. He didn't know that at all. And this text from Genesis has come to remind us again and again, uh, uh, remind us how to treat strangers, especially especially those we don't know. In, in somebody's world, everybody we meet is famous, of course, beloved, irreplaceable, and so everyone deserves a measure of hospitality. Be not forgetful, Hebrews says, to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Without even knowing it, you've entertained angels when you have welcomed the stranger. Each of us is created in God's image. Each of us is the apple of God's eye. Let that sink in for a second. You, you are the apple of God's eye. God loves you that much. Of course, God loves everybody, but you specifically. You're the apple of God's eye. As God loves us, you and I are called to love one another, including the stranger. We are reluctant to care about the stranger, of course. I, I know that. I certainly am. You know, that Forrest Gump scene where, where the, uh, the bus driver asked Forrest, you know, get on the bus, what's your name? And so I'm not allowed to talk to strangers. And Forrest says to the lady, the bus driver, what's your name? And she shares her name, and, and he says, well, I guess we're not strangers anymore. And he gets on the bus. But we're taught to be reluctant of strangers, people we don't know, people who are different from us. But Scripture here and other places reminds us to welcome the stranger, to be mindful of people we might otherwise uh, put on the outside of our circle. People in Jesus' day, like women and, and the mentally ill, lepers, uh, children, maybe not much has changed. We're invited to, to consider them as part of our own circle. And when we find them outside of it, we're called to seek them and welcome them in to befriend the outcast, even to love the enemy. When somebody needs help, why wouldn't we lend a hand? A friend in need is a friend indeed. Howard Thurman, the legendary pastor, when he dedicated his autobiography, he did not dedicate it to any of the famous people he knew or taught. Not to Alice Walker, the great novelist, uh, not to Barbara Jordan, the great uh, stateswoman. Not to Martin Luther King Jr., uh, the great civil rights leader. Not even to his grandmother, who nurtured Howard. He dedicated his autobiography with heart and head instead to an unknown stranger. To the stranger in the railroad station in Daytona Beach who restored my broken dream 65 years ago. 
Seems that Thurman was in Daytona Beach at the railroad station trying to get to his high school in Jacksonville uh, up the coast. Um, and he didn't have enough money to transport his trunk. He couldn't go home and get more money because the family didn't have more money. He was flat broke, and this is what he writes. I sat down on the steps of the railway station, and I cried my heart out. Presently, I opened my eyes, and I saw before me a large pair of work shoes. My eyes crawled up until I saw the man's face. He was a black man dressed in overalls with a denim cap, and he looked down at me and rolled a cigarette and then lit it. And he said, boy, what in hell are you crying about? And I told him, if you're trying to get out of this damn town to get an education, at least, the least I can do is help you. Come with me, he said. He took me around to the agent and asked, how much does it take to send this boy's trunk to Jacksonville? Then he took out his rawhide money bag and counted the money out. When the agent handed him the receipt, he handed it to me. Then without a word, he turned and disappeared down the railroad track. I never saw him again. And this is to whom Thurman uh, devotes his autobiography. This man who saved his life, who did uh, a seemingly small thing, a tiny footnote in history that Howard Thurman never forgot. Because this man brought to him not only a little money for a trunk, but the grace to hear him out and to help him out and to save his life. Where would he have been had he not been educated? Where would he have been had he not been able to get to Jacksonville? Where would he have been had he not been able to go to that school which nurtured him and shaped him? The next stranger you might meet, the next stranger you meet might be an undercover agent that God has sent to help you out. God works that way. And you might actually be one of those angels for somebody else. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for the angels you've sent us. And help us be the angels you're calling us to be. Amen. I grew up on the Chesapeake Bay. Our fathers spent their hard working days building ships. Not just the kind that sailed upon the water, but the rocket ships that blasted off in fire and smoke and mist. Engineers fathomed wing design, the rank and file, they riveted steel. Some tested models in wind tunnels, and some made the decks and the plates, and they laid the long, long and oh, how they dreamed of sailing, and oh, how they'd watch the sky for the sun and the change of the weather, the silver of the moon still shines in our Father's fading eyes. Frank's old man was a gifted surgeon. 
Carrie's father spent years on a shipyard strike. Red Dad's dirt over submarine for the Navy, and he lived underwater and under ice for a quarter of his short, short life. They hailed from North Dakota, from the Carolinas, they were born and bred. From West Virginia and all points north, they made this town their home. They laid their table and they made their bed. And oh, how they dreamed of sailing, and oh, how they'd watch the sky. For the sun and the change of the weather, the silver of the moon still shines in our Father's fading eyes. They gave for Christmas all they could afford. We'd turn away when we'd watch them watch our moms whom they suffered and adored. And oh, how they dreamed of sailing, and oh, how they'd watch the sky for the sun and the change of the weather, the silver of the moon, a sliver of that silver moon, the silver of the moon. Our Father's fading eye. In our Father's fading Thank you for joining this podcast of First Presbyterian Church Champaign. Visit us at our campus at the intersection of Church and State Streets in downtown Champaign. And for more information, visit us online at www.firstpres.church. Have a great week.